Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor and it's so good to have you guys with us here today in the holiday season. Just getting too close to Christmas now. If you haven't got the Christmas shopping done yet, don't worry. Prime offers one day delivery. You can still do this, but the season is coming to a close. Before we get going, I want to share two things with you. First, uh, last weekend, we took up our legacy offering here at the gathering, and that's our year-end giving initiative where we uh, hope to be able to leave a high-impact offering in a few specific areas to continue the legacy that we feel God has called us here to leave the spiritual and eternal legacy in our community and beyond. Last weekend, in one weekend, we took up $20,000 in that offering, so thank you, yeah, that's huge. Thank you so much to everybody who gave and who gave sacrificially. We know at the end of the year there's a lot of places uh, to invest your money and a lot of places to spend your money. And so we thank you so much for just sowing that into the kingdom of God. And uh, we're so honored. And I wanted to let you know that uh, that legacy offering will be open until the end of the year. And so if you've not yet given or you're still praying about it, or unsure, you can go to the gathering website, gatherashville.org, and you'll find a link there to our legacy page. It'll be right at the top, easy to find. And on that legacy page, you can find more information about the legacy offering and where that money goes, and uh, you can click give right there. And so, uh, well, thank you so much for that. Uh, I wanted to let you know and give you my personal invitation. Next week, uh, yeah, next weekend, the December the 22nd, Uh, We will conclude this series, Scotch Tape, and we'll have regular Sunday services on the 22nd at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Some of y'all just found out that we have a 9 a.m. service at the Gathering Church. We do. And so uh, we will have a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. And then on that following Tuesday, Christmas Eve, we're going to do something real special. We are calling it the Christmas Eve service. And that'll be at 6 (laughs) p.m. I like to present old ideas like I invented them. It's one of my things. And um, that will be at 6 p.m. And uh, we just would love for you to be a part of our holiday tradition. Uh, It is going to be a fun, engaging service and a really just a beautiful way to celebrate Jesus in this Christmas holiday. It's less than an hour and we'll have you out of here so you can go home and drink some eggnog and, and start building play sets or, or whatever you've got to do all night long to get ready for Christmas morning. And so uh, we, we would love to have you join us for that. Following that, on December 29th, which is the Sunday after Christmas, there will be no services, no services at all at the gathering. Church, if you show up here, you'll only be coming to an empty high school on break. And so we will be kicking it back off on January 5th for the first, uh, the first service of the brand new year, which is also when we will be starting 21 days of prayer and fasting. If, uh, if you're new to our church family, uh, it is so important to us to start off every year by setting aside the first part of the year to dedicate ourselves and to set our year apart uh, for our Father in heaven. And so we do that by worship through prayer 
and fasting. And so I would encourage you to begin to pray about how God would use you and call you to fast in that time and really just begin to pray now about the ways that he would speak into your heart and change you during that season of prayer. So all of that is coming. We are very excited. The most important thing to remember is December 24th at 6 p.m. and on that following Sunday, uh, don't come here. And so that is it. Let's get started. We are in our second week of a series called Scotch Tape. And much like uh, this series, Scotch Tape is a tool that is best used in the holiday season. Now, I know there's some teachers out there, and for you, Scotch Tape, especially in the elementary years, is a very important part of the arsenal that you're using Scotch Tape on a daily basis because these children are tearing pages, they're making crafts, there's important things to do with it. Now, I know there's some crafty people out here this morning that are, are always trying to find new and creative ways to use the gift of Scotch Tape, but for most people, Scotch Tape really hits its stride in the holiday season because there is nothing scotch tape does better than holding one piece of paper onto another piece of paper. It is truly the best tool for the job. Now for me, once scotch tape has served its holiday purpose, it goes into a drawer in the kitchen that we call the things and stuff drawer. We have a things and stuff drawer and it is filled with things and stuff you know the drawer I'm talking about. Nothing else really that's in there goes anywhere else. There's no real great category for it. It's just the things and stuff drawer. And the tape sits right on top. Now, occasionally, I will have use uh, where something will break, something will crack, it'll start to tear. And what I really could use is some super glue or something actually adhesive. But what I have is scotch tape. And so I take that scotch tape and I just wrap it around whatever is breaking or broken and I pray for the best. But what happens every single time is when a little bit of pressure is applied, that scotch tape gives way and whatever it is breaks completely or returns to its broken state. Now, here's why we've called this series Scotch Tape, because I believe that in our personal lives, there are many areas that are breaking or broken. And instead of looking for permanent solutions, ways that we can be healed and cured and fixed of these issues in our hearts and beyond, we just find Scotch Tape, quick fixes, things that are easily available that don't seem like they'll hurt as much or don't seem like it'll be quite as hard. And we patch our brokenness up with scotch tape, but then when the holidays come around or another season of pressure and that pressure begins to be applied, these areas that we've only scotch taped together begin to break. And the holiday season is, is very good at filling us with joy and happiness and reminding us that it's a season of giving and celebration and it's also good at applying pressure to the hurting areas of our lives. And so in this series, our goal is to meet you in that place, is to meet you in the places that feel like they are giving way to offer a better path forward and a better solution. Last weekend, we talked about marriage and all the ways that the holiday season puts pressure on our marriages and all the ways that we can move into a healthier marriage uh, than ever before. And today, what I want to talk about really is very simply our emotional health, 
our emotional health. Because here's, here's what I know, is that many of us are struggling with brokenness emotionally. There's something inside of us that is hurt or hurting that we aren't really sure how to treat. Maybe it's a long-standing anxiety or depression. Maybe it's a, a bitterness or an anger that won't go away. Maybe, maybe inside it, it's, a, it's a form of loss. Maybe you've lost something this year. And this holiday season just seems to be a constant reminder of this thing or the things that are missing from this season. Maybe you've, you've been through a trauma of some kind, and as this season comes with all its decorations and its movies and, and everybody's getting in the spirit, for you it is a constant daily reminder of this trauma that you've been through, and you're not really sure how to keep going through. Maybe for you, there has been a long-standing something missing that you aren't really sure how to quantify or or put a name to it, but it does seem like it gets worse this time of year. And as this time of year rolls closer and closer to the main event, it feels like you're stretching and stretching more and more, and like emotionally, you're not really sure how much more the scotch tape can hold. So I think when we experience this kind of emotional hurt and brokenness and pain, that there's a few go-tos that we have to try to patch it up. I think the first thing that we tend to do is we lean into distraction. Distraction. Distraction is one of our oldest tools, one of our oldest tricks to try and, and remain free from, from this pain that we feel. Sometimes we try to distract ourselves with work. Maybe you work long hours and just pour yourself into it so you won't have to think about all the pain in your personal life. Or maybe you distract yourself with media, just constantly watching Netflix or pouring over TV shows and movies to, to keep yourself in an alternate reality so you don't have to face your own. Maybe you pour yourself into social media, living your life vicariously through the life of somebody else or, or, or presenting a version of your life on social media that you wish was true so that at least somebody thinks that you're okay. Maybe, maybe you distract yourself with people obsessing over somebody else's problems or pouring yourself into relationships with others so you won't have to think about all the ways you feel broken inside. Sometimes when we're emotionally unhealthy, we think that we can distract ourselves enough so we won't ever have to deal with it. But that's scotch tape and it can't last. I think another way that we try to scotch tape our our hurt and our emotional unhealth is just with silence. I think, honestly, I think silence is kind of like our go-to scotch tape for many, many things. When our marriages are hurting, we just ignore it. When, 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 our, when our hearts feel broken, we just, we just deal with it on our own. We stay quiet about it. We don't, we don't want other people to be dragged down by it. We don't want people to have to, to hear all of our, our, our misery, and, and we don't want to be a downer. So we just keep it locked up inside. Maybe Maybe it feels like if you just are silent and, and don't talk about your depression or your bitterness or, or your, your constant habit and hang up, maybe if you just don't talk about it, it's not really real. If you keep just staying quiet and, and pushing it down more and more, it'll disappear eventually. The more you talk about it, the more real it feels. And so it's better just to say silent. 
And so instead of finding freedom, perhaps you've been suffering in silence. Or the big one, and honestly a go-to that many of us have when we're emotionally unhealthy is sin. I think sin often becomes the way that we often try to fix our poor emotional health. We run into sin. When we're weak, the devil finds a way to make temptation our exit out of our weakness. He finds a way to present sin as a source of power or strength or a way to feel like you have control over something. He, he brings forward the pride, of, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, these three different categories that break down into every sin there are. And, and in some way, we think if we, could just, if we could just escape reality through these substances that maybe we'll be all right. If we can continue to medicate ourselves with alcohol or drugs, then maybe we can get through another holiday season. Or maybe it's something like a, a sexual sin that we keep pouring ourselves into because it makes us feel a moment of joy followed by even deeper regret, deeper pain, deeper emptiness, deeper longing. Maybe for you it's, it's something completely different. Maybe it's lying just constantly presenting a false reality to somebody close to you because you would rather live in that one than in the truth. Whatever it might be, often sin finds a way to make our emotional unhealthiness expanded and even worse, while at the same time presenting itself as a solution. Many of us have a go-to when we're unhealthy. Something that we always kind of lean in towards. I've got a few, honestly. One of mine is candy on the lighter side of things. And it sounds funny, but if I'm having a really stressful week, I'll go to the Dollar Tree and spend $7 on candy. How many of you know that $7 on candy at the Dollar Tree is a bad place to be? I'm over here with seven bags of gummy worms. I got gummy worms, Sour Patch Kids, Sprees, Sweet Tarts. I got the whole, I've got a chocolate bar to try and balance things out a little bit. I don't want to go all, if I get a Snickers bar, that's essentially a health food. And so, I mean, it's got peanuts in it. And so that will that'll help get me in the right direction. And I will sit there and just consume, I'll sit down and eat all seven bags in one sitting. In, I would sit in my car, Scott, I don't want anybody to know. And so I'll sit in my, so before I've gotten into the back seat of my car, because it's more tinted, and sat back there with all this candy and just throw it down in my mouth. And I don't know what, what it's sweet, it tastes good, it makes my, the sugars releasing in my brain, and it feels like I've got control over something right now. This gummy worm belongs to me, and nobody's going to take that away. But what I'm doing is sinning. Because I'm hiding it from people. I'm destroying the wrappers before my wife finds them. Or, or somebody says, where have you been? I'll say, I had a meeting I had to go to. Or, or, or I, I'm covering it up with lies. I'm, I'm indulging in ways that are gluttonous. I'm finding sin, even in a bag of gummy worms, to try and hide my, my pain and, and to try to treat my emotional distress. I'm also a shopper, and here's where I've really gotten into trouble covering it up, lying, buying stuff that I can't afford because it feels like I've got control over at least one thing in my life. To hit buy it now without even thinking about it and just figure it out later. Now, we've all got a go-to, a sin that, that we're naturally drawn towards, something that we often find ourselves, a place where we find ourselves when we're emotionally unhealthy. And what can happen is, after years and years of using this scotch tape of distraction, silence, and sin, 
We've got so much scotch tape wrapped around ourselves, we don't even know where to begin to cut it off. How do I stop? How do I get better? How do I, I, I know that this is because I'm so broken inside, but how do I ever even begin to feel free? How do I ever even begin to feel happy or healthy or whole? It's just another holiday season. All I have to do is get through it. I just have to survive it. I'll do whatever it takes just to get through another one so I can start next year, and next year will be different. Next year, I'll be new. Next year, I'll change all of this. It's time to stop wrapping up the scotch tape. It's time to stop finding temporary solutions and things that are causing us even more pain than we started with. It's time to find a permanent solution to believe that you can have freedom. I want you to know that the answer to freedom from emotional pain, emotionally unhealthy places, is both spiritual and practical. Spiritual and practical. There's a, a, a story about Jesus, and Jesus healed people often as a part of his ministry. But there was a man who had this crippled hand, and Jesus walked up to this man to heal him, and he told him to stretch out his hand. And the, the guy's hand had a deformity where that was impossible, but in the healing moment, he's able to stretch his hand out towards Jesus, and he's healed and he's whole. And I often think about that moment in Scripture, and in the way that we present ourselves to Jesus, we think, I am too broken, I am too hurting, and if he's going to heal me, he's just going to have to do it. If he's going to give me freedom, if I'm going to be set free from this thing that I've always carried, he's going to have to just do it. But sometimes he wants you to be the one to stretch out your hand, to have faith, to be able to start the process on your own, to, to get up under your, your, your feet up underneath you along with his power and together find yourself in a place of healing and of freedom. And he wants to offer that to you today. Jesus' mission statement in Isaiah 61. I locked my Bible in my car and it was too far away. So I'm not on Instagram, although I will do a quick. No, I'm just kidding. In Isaiah 61, Jesus reads this in the, in the Gospel of Luke and declares it kind of as his mission statement. And it says, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners. Listen, he has freedom in mind for you. He came to heal the things that are broken inside of you. That is the purpose of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus is that you don't have to live as a prisoner to your sin anymore. You don't have to keep going on just trying to make it anymore. All these places of emotional brokenness in your heart that you're struggling with each and every day, Jesus has the answer for you. He's got freedom for you. He holds the keys in his hands. He's the one that drops the chains from your body so you can know what real freedom looks like. But you might just have to stretch out your hand in order to get it. And so let me read you this verse from Romans. In Romans chapter 2, chapter 12, verse 2, he says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. See, living in a constant state of poor emotional health is not a new thing. Every generation thinks that what we're going through is unique to us. Oh, it's so much worse than it used to be. This, this is so much more prevalent than it used to be. No, 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 no. Even in the time of Jesus, it was the same. 
People were struggling with sin. They were struggling with brokenness. They were struggling with depression. They were struggling with anger. They were struggling with inner turmoil. They were struggling with their demons. They were trying to fight it, and they didn't know how. It's always been the same brokenness since the, Eden, since the Garden of Eden. And we think it's, it's unique to us, and, and it's new to us, and we know that everybody struggles with it. It's just normal for our friends and neighbors to be so busy that they don't have time to rest. It's it's normal for everyone in our culture to have some sort of a condition that they're living with emotionally, mentally. It's normal for every single person to be constantly living on the edge of a breakdown. It's normal. This is how everybody lives. We go out, we get drunk, we laugh about it on the weekends. This is our rhythm. It's our shared experience. It is the human experience. The human shared experience is one of pain, and we all deal with it. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Just because it is normal does not mean it has to be your normal. Just because it is a shared experience does not mean we have to share it. Jesus came that we might be separated from the pattern of this world, that we might have freedom from it, peace inside, joy inside. He says, be transformed. You can be transformed. And guess where he says it starts? By the renewing of your mind. It starts here. Our emotional health matters. And to, to break the pattern of this world and to step into a new kind of freedom starts here. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. When your emotional health improves, so does your spiritual health. When your mind is clear and renewed and purpose-driven, you will have a better relationship with God which will bleed into every area of your life. It's time to replace all this scotch tape. It's time to do something about your emotional health. You were created by God, for God. You have a purpose. You were created to make a difference, and he cares about the purpose that he has for you. He wants to lead you to freedom. He wants to give you peace and joy in every area of your life. So let me give you some very practical things that we can do. And then one, two very practical things, one very spiritual thing that we can do to make a stand, to change this, to break from the pattern, to walk into a brand new freedom this holiday season. The first thing is very simple. And I say it a lot because I think it's just so important. And it's so crucial to the pattern of scripture. And that is build margins and rhythms. Build margins and rhythms. It's just over and over again in God's word, he talks about the importance of rhythm. It talks about the importance of rest. It even talks about margin. The principle of margin, the way that we understand it financially, starts in ancient Levitical law. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22, they, they put a law forward that and when the man plows his field, he should, leave the, he should leave the edges plowed and unplanted so that there is some margin for people who don't have their own land that they can go and do some planting in that prepared field. It's a margin for generosity. Margin, it starts in, in our finance. We just talked about having margin in our finances a couple weeks ago. But it's more than having margin in your finances. It's about having margin in your whole life. It's, it's, not, it's not that hard to come out with some margin in your life. There's a couple of little things that we can do to make changes. First is say no to some good things so you can say yes to some great things. 
Yeah, I, I th- this is a John Maxwell principle. And if you don't know John Maxwell, um, read anything by John Maxwell. He has about 6,000 books, and they're all life-changing. Uh, he's a Christian leader. But anyways, he says, say no to good things so you can say yes to great things. And here's the idea. There are many, many, many good things that we can say yes to. Good things. Good things that can fill up our time and fill up our schedules. Maybe uh, it's some side jobs to make some extra money for the holidays, like Uber or, or multi-level marketing. Maybe it's sports for your kids. Maybe it's sports leagues for you. Asheville has a lot of great adult sport leagues, which is a good way to exercise and also get yelled at by a grown man. So much fun. Love it. Maybe, it, maybe it's some overtime pay at work. Uh, maybe it's uh, different trips that your company offers that are optional, but they come with some extra pay. You get to go some exciting places. Oh, it's a training conference that I could be a part of, and I could say yes to that. Or, or maybe uh, it's new hobbies or projects. Maybe you've just got your eyes on this big project that you want to take on, a thing you want to do. And there's all these good things that we can say yes to that it's, it's honestly, it's easy to say yes to. But what can happen is, If we say yes to every good thing that comes along, we don't have any more margin, any more space to say yes to the truly great things that we should be investing in. Maybe that means for you that you haven't left any margin in your day to be investing your time in worship and in prayer and in studying scripture. And I don't believe a single thing that you do in any any given day is more important than spending time in worship. But if we've said yes to too many good things, we could be missing out on that great thing. Maybe you haven't left margin for a life group to be in community, finding freedom with people who are going along that journey with you because you've said yes to so many other good things, you've had to say no to this great thing. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you've said yes to all these good things at work and you've had to say no to some great things at home. You haven't been there for your kids, sports events or recitals or programs because you've been working those overtime hours to be able to buy better gifts for the kids. Or maybe you've been saying no to some great things to say yes to some good things in, in some other arena. The, the point is that we need to be able to say no to some good things to leave margin for the great things. That's the first thing. The second thing is measure, don't guess. Uh, measure, don't guess. And so often we say, well, I don't have any margin in my time, but we don't have any idea really how we're spending our time. We, we know that there's a lot of places we need to be and things we need to do, but we don't know exactly what we're doing or where we're going. And people say, how was your week? And we kind of blank for a minute and go, uh, it, it was good. It, it was busy. <laughs> What'd you do? Uh, Uh, I don't really, and there's kind of this moment where you forget everything that you've done because you've done so many things. And, and I I would encourage you that if you want to create more margin, just take a moment and uh, for about a week, take a moment at the end of the day. It won't take long. People think I'm crazy because I overstructure everything and that's fine, but I'll tell you how I create margin. And that, that is, I I'll take a little bit of time every so often and I'll sit down for a week at the end of the day and just write down hour by hour what I did all day starting from the moment I woke up until the moment I'm done. And at the end of that week, I can look back and see where my priorities were that week. I can see how I gave myself to good things instead of great things for that week. I can tell you exactly what I would change, what I would do less of, and what I would do more of. If you want to create a little bit of margin, measure, don't guess. And then finally, and this is the biggest thing in creating a margin and rhythm in your life to give yourself better emotional health. This is the best tool the Bible gives us to maintain good emotional health. And that is the principle of the Sabbath. 
Sabbath. Sabbath. It's an old Jewish word that has been lost in our culture that we need. We need it. The, the Jewish people took Sabbath so seriously that they had developed hundreds of laws around this one commandment. They, they kept adding on and adding on to keep people. And they had done so much of it that people weren't able to rest anymore because they were so obsessed with following the right laws to Sabbath. Well, and Jesus said to that, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was made for us. It was given to us as a gift, as a way to stay healthy. You need rest. You're designed for it. Exodus chapter 20 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, and the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor your foreigner residing in your towns, anybody. Nobody's doing any work. Everybody's resting on the seventh day. You need to put the principle of the Sabbath active in your life. I'll tell you, a couple, I'll tell you that more than anything, a Sabbath is a moment of intentional rest. Intentional not just a day off. So here's what I hope your schedule looks like. Everybody's is different. I hope you have at least one day a week that is off, that you don't have to work, that is a day for you to decide how you're going to spend it. What I hope is that you have two. A lot of people have two. They work five days a week and they get two full days off. And if you've got those two days off, my suggestion would be to use one of those days to accomplish your chores, your yard work, your shopping, whatever you needed to get done around the house, and then intentionally set apart that second day. And if you only have one day, then do the work the night before that one day to get that stuff done so that you can intentionally set apart one day. If you have kids, bring your kids into it. Hey, tomorrow is our Sabbath. That means that we are going to set it apart for rest because that's what God has asked us to do. So we're going to pray together. We're going we're gonna to not, we're going to only do things that make us feel rested and recovered. Hey kids, how do you rest? What would make you feel like you've rested on this day? Do the things that help you rest. If you're an active rester, then take a little bit of time to go hiking or, or do the things that, that, that fill your soul up. But take an intentional moment to refill your soul. And that is one of the best ways you can maintain your emotional health, by setting aside time for the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Second thing is a lot harder. That's the easiest thing on the list. This next one, it, it requires a decision and it requires hard work. You have to make a decision to get healthy, a real one, to do things that are hard, to commit to a moment that is hard, to, to ask questions that are hard, to speak truths that are hard. And if you're willing to do that, I believe there's freedom for you. The second permanent fix to our emotional health is to find freedom from depression and bitterness and anxiety. These things that root themselves deep in our hearts and take over and take control and drive us like a pilot. I believe you can be free from those things. That there's nothing under God's earth that he can't provide freedom for you in. But that the work may be harder than you expect. You know, there's one of those things as a pastor, it's so hard when people come into my office and they've been struggling with something or dealing with something for a long time. They just, the question is always, when will God release me of this? And we, we have a conversation where we talk through the different practical steps they're taking, the spiritual steps they're taking. And if everything lines up, then sometimes the answer is, I don't know. 
Some people God releases in the moment they ask for it. And some people God gives a journey. But either way, I believe there can be freedom for you. That he offers that. That that's what his promise in Isaiah 61 means. He says he comes to bind up the brokenhearted. To take what feels broken inside of you and put it back together and make it whole. He wants to do that for you. He wants to make you feel his presence on a daily basis to make you feel joy and peace inside your heart. I would say there's a practical starting point and then a spiritual thread that has to run all the way through it. I'll give you the practical starting points to finding freedom from these things. The first is to get in community. I think when we're going through uh, depression, anxiety, or when we're rooted in bitterness, that what the devil wants is for us to withdraw and try to handle it on our own. It's when we're struggling the most inside that we withdraw the most, and that's always when we need community the most. When your heart says, go be alone, is almost always, almost always when you need to not go be alone, to go get in community. Bring, bring people into your life and be vulnerable with them. Let them speak truth into your heart. Let them speak peace into your heart. Let them bring the promise of scripture with them. Let them stand next to you and say, I don't have the answers. I don't have the solution, but I feel that you are hurting and I'm with you. I'm just with you. I'm just here. I'm here for it. Get in community. Get in a freedom group or get in any life group. Anything that we can do as a church to bring people around you in this season, we will do it. Get in community. And the second, I would encourage you, the second and the third kind of go together. Listen to your doctor or get in counseling. I just think that the, the, this is one of the things that I'm passionate about because it's one of the things that I've needed. And I think that there's been a, a, a cultural thing where, we, 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 well, I'm a Christian, so I can't go to counseling because I've got a, Jesus will fix it. Or I'm a Christian, so I can't take medication because Jesus will fix it. And I believe he can and he will. But I believe sometimes you might need some help getting there. And here's my thoughts on medication. It's my thoughts. That, that medication for these emotional brokennesses that we experience, it's kind of like taking pain medication when you have a broken bone. It makes the pain manageable so that you can begin to understand the root cause and heal it. You can't always do that on your own. Sometimes you need help. And so get, get the help you need. Counseling saved my life. And never be too proud to go and sit in front of somebody and say these three words, I need help. I need help. I will tell you that I meet with people three times and I'll do a spiritual check-in and, and give you as many resources as I can spiritually. But on that third visit, what we do is we analyze your next steps. And a lot of times for people that are coming to me, that next step is counseling. I'm a pastor, not a counselor. I'm in the business of souls, not in the business of brains. <laughs> I don't have a lot. Can't help you with yours. And so I love, I love the opportunity that I get so often to help people connect with a counselor that can genuinely begin to walk them towards freedom. Christ-centered, Christ-following people who are trained in this. And so that is the practical side, but there is also a spiritual side because this battle is not just a battle in the physical and in your heart and in your mind, but this is a battle in the spirit world. There is an enemy in this world who wants to keep you trapped in this place of brokenness forever. His worst nightmare is what happens when you find freedom and discover your purpose. 
So he will fight tooth and nail to keep that from happening. And so we fight him in the spiritual. We fight him on our knees. It happens in a place of worship and prayer. If you don't have a place of worship and prayer in your day, every day, it expires at the end of the day. I'm convinced of that. And if you don't have a place of worship and prayer in your day and you want emotional health in your life, create one. Do whatever it takes. Quit something. Quit anything. But make this the most important thing in your day. And in that moment of worship and prayer, there's a few practices you can do. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. That's the good news. Because the weapons of this world are temporary. The weapons of this world always have a point of breaking. The weapons of this world do not give you what you need to be healed in your spirit. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension, that means lie, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. A quick bit about my story. When I was 21 years old, I was so depressed I attempted to take my own life. I pulled a trigger and the gun didn't work and I only had one bullet. About six weeks later, I gave my life to Jesus. And I was so depressed the next day and I expected to be whole and healed and fixed. But I gave my life to Jesus and I woke up that next morning and I still had to drag myself out of bed. And I said, why? But something had changed. In my heart, there was now hope. Hope for a better tomorrow. Hope for a future. Hope for a change. So I began to fight. And I began to do everything that I'm sharing with you today to find freedom because I believed that he had freedom for me. I remember reading Isaiah 61 for the first time and believing that that was not a promise for people thousands of years ago, but that Jesus said, I came to bind up your broken heart, John Mark. And so I, I remember I read this passage in 2 Corinthians and I just took it extremely literally. It says, take every thought captive. And this is who I am. I'm a literal person. And so it says, take everything. So here's what I still do 11 years later is whenever the depression begins to work its way back into my head or these lies or these thoughts come in that would break me emotionally, I have a journal. And I take this journal out and I write the lie down and I circle it. And I put a line through it like the no smoking signs. And then at the, underneath it, I find a promise in Scripture. See, I pour myself into Scripture even more in moments when I don't feel healthy. Even more. I worship more. I pour myself into Scripture more. I pray more because I don't want to. Because when I'm unhealthy, I'd rather avoid God. But I know that he's the one who has the answers I need. And so I lean into his worship, into his word. And, I, and I'll find the, the promise in scripture to replace the lie. And I'll just write it down underneath. And I do this. And I'll do it. I'll just write the same things over and over, new things. And, and I'll just have it. And I'll start to do it in my head as I go throughout my day. Because it's become such a habit. I'll, I'll hear the enemy come up and say, you know what? Things aren't going well right now. There's too much pressure. You can't make it. You can't carry this load. And I remember that, that my father says, I rem remember the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I remember, he says, for, for before you were born, when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I set you apart. And I just start declaring these promises and circling these thoughts. And it's just, honestly, a lot of times, that's how I get through my day, just circling, taking these thoughts captive. In Philippians 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. 
I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I feel like I don't have my own peace. Like I'm feeling like I need some scotch tape or something because what's creeping in is the absence of peace. And it's in those moments more than anything else when I need to worship and rejoice in his name. God, I worship you. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm just going to worship. Rejoice in the Lord always. And what happens is the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which doesn't make sense to the other people who you share this experience with who don't have Jesus, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. He's not just the God of your spirit. He is the God of your mind. He is the God of your heart. He wants to guard you, to protect you, to bring freedom to you, and he has peace that he can offer you. And it's unlike anything the world has. And it's unlike anything that you can ever come up with on your own. It is a peace beyond understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind. And finally, brothers, and here you go. Here's what, what you replace the thoughts with. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And the God of peace will. I'm so literal. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm feeling like I need to think about something admirable right now, something, something trustworthy right now, something excellent and praiseworthy right now. Because if I do, the peace, the God of peace will be with me. Are you with me today? It, can, it, it sounds, uh, this journey is hard. It, it, it was a year for me, it could be an, any amount of time for you. For me, it was a year, almost to the day. A year after I gave my life to Jesus and began this fight intentionally and daily that I felt free from that depression. Free from it. Free. You can be free. And I don't know how long your battle will be, but I know that you don't have to fight it alone. Here's the last thing. As we finish up today, find freedom from sin. A lot of times our emotional unhealth, if we're honest, is coming from our sin. Maybe it was a place of brokenness that led us to sin in the first place, but that sin has done more damage than whatever started it ever did. Maybe it's a sin that, that just feels so dark and so complete and so deep that you could never you could never tell anybody. You could never be free from it. You could never be healed from it. You could, no one would ever forgive you from it. Or, or maybe it's some sin that you just think, I can't break this. I've, I've been in this sin as long as I can remember. My dad is in this sin. This is just what our family does. This is our sin. And I'll just live with it until I'm dead. And this is my life and it, it stinks and I don't like it, but it's, I can't be free of this. Or maybe it's some sin that you are blind to the fact that it is sin. The enemy has covered you up, covered your eyes, and, and your life feels like it's on the edge of breaking and falling apart, and you don't know why, and you can feel inside a little voice saying, no, you know why, you know what it is, you know what this is, call it what it is, and cut it out of your life. Our sin breaks us so much further than whatever got us there in the first place. 
And I just think too often we are so afraid of the light, we, we forget that the only place that healing exists is in the light. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Oh, confession brings healing. Taking something that you've hidden in the darkness for so long, grabbing it by the hair and dragging it into the light will free you in ways you've never imagined before. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteous, that you can be purified, you can be made whole, you can be given the peace that surpasses understanding, you can be given the satisfaction that the, the, the Hebrews called it halal, which just means a, the deepest form of praise, praise in your very spirit. You can experience it. You don't have to feel broken every day. You don't have to just feel wondering every day if you can keep up the charade, if you can keep hiding it, if you can keep this thing in darkness, everything we find. Listen, there may be consequences to your sin. When you bring your sin out of darkness and into the light, there may be consequences. But I need you to know those consequences were going to find you no matter what. They always do. But if you bring that sin into the light because you are coming for freedom, because you are coming for peace, because you are coming for grace and forgiveness and healing, then the one who is willing to meet you there is so much better than the one who will meet you if your consequences find you on their own. There's a great story in John chapter 8 where Jesus is, is brought to a scene where a woman has been caught in the act of adultery. And these Pharisees have dragged her out of this tent and they're all standing around her prepared to stone her. The law says she should be stoned to death because she's been caught sinning like this. They're all standing there. And Jesus, the first thing that he does is kneel down and speak something to her that we don't know. He starts to write in the sand. And they're all asking what, what they should do. And Jesus just turns around and says, whichever one of you has never sinned can cast the first stone. And he starts writing in the sand again. You know, the Bible doesn't say what he was writing. Here's what I think. Because after he starts writing in the sand, they start going away one by one. I think he was writing down some names in the sand. And then looking up at those Pharisees, he was like, Lila. And then the guy was like, you know, backing away. I don't know. That's a bad, that's a bad theory. It's probably something way more spiritual. So anyways, they leave. They leave. In John chapter 8, verse 9, it says, Those who heard began to go away one at a time until only Jesus was left. And so you can be free of your sin and there may be some consequences on the other side of it. But when all your accusers leave, there will be a moment where only Jesus is left. And he will look at you the same way he looked at this woman and say, look around, who, can, who here condemns you? She'll say, no one. And Jesus says, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. You can be free. Go to him. A passage that's carried me through this year is Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. I don't know about you, but, but for me, when I'm carrying my sin, it feels like a heavy chain wrapped around me. I, I, I can feel the way that it's pressing in even harder on my broken heart, like this burden that I get up and shoulder every day. And I just, I, I know there's moments where I'm carrying it and I think, I can't carry this any longer. It's too heavy. It's too much. How can I keep on? How can I keep this up? How can I keep Keep hiding this. And, and Jesus says, just come to me. All you who are weary, I want to give you rest. Take this burden and lay it at my feet. Put it on the cross that I went to so that you could be free. And then I will give you a yoke that is easy, that is light, and you will find rest for your souls. He wants to give you rest for your soul, restoration for your soul, freedom for your soul, peace for your soul. I don't think you need to keep living your life in so much brokenness and pain. You can experience joy and freedom and peace. You don't have to wait and start it in January. You can do it right now, today, here, in this place. You can begin a journey that will change you forever. And on the other side of it, you don't have to use scotch tape to put yourself back together. You just Sabbath and you worship and you pray and you maintain and you stay healthy. It's a permanent fix. If you're in here this morning and there's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, I'm going to call two people to prayer this morning. There's two people in the room today. Groups of people. It could be more than two. The first is if you've been in here today and you're, you've, you've just spent your whole life trying to fix it yourself. Just trying to carry on, trying to put the pieces together, trying to hold the pieces together. You thought everybody was like this, and you're just discovering for the first time that it doesn't have to be this way. And, and if that's you, I want, I want to just walk you into the first step of this process right now, and that is to know the one who made you. You don't have to just know about him or hear about him at Christmas. He doesn't have to be a little wooden figure in a manger scene. He can be a real part of every single day of your life. And if you're ready to enter into a relationship with Jesus, just say this prayer with me, every head bowed. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of every sin that I used to cover up my sin. Forgive me for every mistake I've made for trying to make it right on my own, for trying to do it on my own. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for the freedom that you brought me. Thank you for your promises and your peace and your kindness. Heavenly Father, I give myself to you today. I don't know what's next, but I know I want it to be with you. I give every part of my heart to you. I will follow you with all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.